All right. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Welcome once again. This morning we're going to look at gratitude. You know, since we finished the book of Acts, we went through a series of studies about Christian essentials. And um, two weeks ago we talked about forgiveness. Last week we talked about contentment. And closely related to contentment is gratitude. And that was one of our points. I'm sure you all remember. That was the first point in last week's study. But uh, just as a quick review of last week's study, we talked about how Paul tells us in Philippians how he learned to be content. And we talked about how that's not, the human heart is not uh, equipped with contentment. It was marred and messed up back, all the way back from Adam and Eve. So that every human being has a problem learning to be content. In whatever state we're at, to be content. And uh, so us as Christians need to do as Paul did, which is learn to be content. And we talked about some of the ways that it helps us to, to learn to be content. Um, so today we're going to talk about gratitude. And the title of this morning's message is God Glorified by Gratitude. Because ultimately, it's not that we just want us to be this group of happy people. And everywhere you go, we're just grateful for everything. And, oh, how cool. Look at those grateful people. And they go to that church or whatever. That's, that's not the end of it all. That's not the purpose. The ultimate purpose of gratitude is to bring glory to God. And we said if there's one thing you want to do in your life is to bring glory to God. And we do that by glorifying Him, glorifying His name by, by expressing or by being grateful and expressing that gratitude. So we're going to look at Luke ch uh, chapter 17, and it's, it's a story that most of you have probably been exposed to, and we're going to go through that and look at three points in our message, and that is that gratitude belongs to God, gratitude glorifies God, and gratitude is expected by God. Those are the three points that we're going to do in our study today, and hopefully we're going to use Luke 17, starting in verse 11, this, this really cool story about, uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you read the Bible and you read a passage, ask yourselves, what is this story really about? And sometimes in your Bibles you'll have headings. In my Bible I have... Christ cleanses ten lepers. But what is the story about? Is it about the ten lepers? Is it about the one leper that came back? Spoiled it for some of you already. Yeah. Is it about the nine that didn't return? Is it about the apostles looking on? Is it about Jesus? Every story is about God. Remember that. I've told you that before. God, even if He's not mentioned by name, is always the main character and the hero of every story in the Bible. And in the same thing in this one. The story of the ten lepers is really about God, about Jesus Christ bringing glory unto himself. And the Bible says that ultimately everything that is created is for him and for his glory. Everything. So let's take a look at this uh, portion of scripture that we've probably read before or maybe even heard messages on. And look at it with the angle or the lens uh, using the title, God Glorified by Gratitude. But it's really the story is about Jesus Christ doing something 
with the intent of bringing glory unto himself. That is the ultimate purpose. All right? So let's go ahead and do that. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. And as we do that, keep in mind the first point of the message, which is gratitude belongs to God. Verse 11. It says, Now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Oh, I love it. Uh, a couple of things here. So the Lord is on his way to Jerusalem, but as it always was the case, no matter where he was, he was looking to be a blessing to others and to bring glory unto himself. And he's going through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem, and it says that he goes through a certain village. Which village? We don't know for certain. It doesn't even matter. What we do know is that he finds, or he's confronted by ten men, and all of them are lepers. They have leprosy. That's a bad disease. Incurable for the most part. Contagious at its beginning stages. And so leprosy is actually a very, we've talked about this, it's a very ancient disease. Terrible disease. Incurable. Keep that in mind. And contagious. So that even if you go all the way back to Leviticus, and even be the time before that, uh, leprosy, <laughs> you didn't want to have leprosy. But if you did, there was actually rules about it. You know, if you, if you started seeing something in your skin, the Bible says you were supposed to go to the priest. And the priest was actually trained to identify leprosy. And they would check you out. If they weren't sure, they would quarantine you for a week and then check you seven days later. And if they found that it wasn't leprosy, you got a clean bill of health, went back to work, society, no problem. But if you came back and they realized that it was leprosy, then <laughs> you had a very big problem. And there were actually communities set up so that you, you no longer had the right to hang out with everybody else. You needed to be uh, escorted out and you were to go to a colony of lepers where only other lepers would be around. If you were around the city, uh, you were to keep your distance from everybody else. And if people were walking towards you, you were to get out of the way and yell out, I'm a leper, stay away from me. And people would stay away from you. I mean, it was just bad. Uh, in, in every way possible. And so, no doubt, these ten men were living in some kind of community. They didn't just happen to be hanging around the bar, ten of them. They were together. They had that ugly, terrible disease in common. And they had built a little community of their own. When they see Jesus coming, they do something awesome. And, and this is, you know, I talked about during the communion ten minutes ago about how we were far off, and, but the blood of Christ has brought us near. Listen to this. It says in verse 12 that he entered a certain village. There met him ten men who were lepers who stood where? Far off. They couldn't get near Jesus. And this is very much uh, an example of us before encountering Christ. What it says in Ephesians, we are far off. We have, it's like we have spiritual leprosy and we have no right to be close to God. So that's what happens with them. They stay afar off. 
and they, they yell at him. They lift up their voices and they say, Jesus, and they call him Master. And this is what they say, have mercy on us. Mercy is a beautiful word. You know what mercy is? That is not getting the punishment that you deserve. You ever been in a fight with your brother or sister? <laughs> and you play that game, Mercy? Right? When you're getting beaten and there's no chance for you to get back anymore, what do you say? Mercy. I give up. Don't kill me. That's what these guys say. And, it, and it's beautiful, beloved, because you have to see yourself in these guys. They realize, they know. That there is nothing that they could do for themselves. They can't fix themselves. They can't get rid of their leprosy. It's beyond them. And their only hope is Jesus. Jesus is our only hope. And they go to Him. And they have enough faith to call Him Jesus and say, Master. They call Him Master. They recognize Him as somebody greater with the power to cleanse them, they humble themselves, and then they say, not come over here and fix this now, but they humble themselves and say, have mercy on us. There's nothing that we can do, but we can ask for mercy from you. Oh, beloved, surrender. Surrender. To come to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I can't fix this mess called me. I need you. You're the master. You're the savior. You're the almighty one. Have mercy on me. Oh, I hope we've all done that. If you've never done that, if you never find yourselves on your knees before God and say, Lord, have mercy on me. You know? Put it on your bucket list. You don't want to die before having surrendered your life to Christ. And if you have it in your bucket list, Paul says, do it now. Don't wait till the end of the service. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till you're old to surrender your life to Christ. Do it now. If God speaks to your heart, be obedient to it and surrender yourself to Him and cry out to Him in humility and surrender and say, Lord, have mercy on me. I can't do it on my own. All right. They stood far off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. I love this. Can you just imagine... You being one of the ten lepers, all hope is gone. But here comes Jesus and you've heard things about him. How he's raised people from the dead. And you think, surely if he's raised people from the dead and, and paralyzed people, you know, left his presence walking and blind men now see. If he's done all that, surely he could fix us up. And so they cry out, have mercy. And the Lord says, he turns to them and he says, Go show yourselves to the priest. What is that? Well, in, in the Jewish culture, all the way to the, in the Old Testament, if ever 
for some reason you were cured or you thought you were cured from your leprosy or some weird disease, your job before incorporating yourself back to society was to go to the priest and basically the priest would give you a clean bill of health. But he had to go through the priest first. So Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. You know what he was implying? You know what they understood by that? Jesus is going to cleanse us and by the time we get over there, there's no other reasons to go to the priest other than you've been cleansed by God and now you're going to go get a clean bill of health in order that you can go back to your family and society. And so they're obedient, these ten lepers. Maybe they had nothing else to lose. Why wouldn't they go? It should remind you of, of the story of Naaman, another leper in the Old Testament. So they obey, and they go towards the temple. Now, uh, easy question for you all. If Jesus is telling them to go to the temple, what nationality do you think these lepers were? Jews. Why would, why would Jesus send somebody who's not a Jew to the temple? If they weren't Jews, just, you know, fix you up and go back to whatever. But he says, go back to the temple. So at least some of them were Jews. And so they obey and, and, and try to picture this. Put yourself in their sandals if they're wearing any. But here you are, a leper, you're ten buddies. You've resigned to this life of isolation and your only other friends are people that are lepers as well. Well, you can't do anything really with everybody else. And then Jesus comes, you humble yourself, you cry out to him, have mercy, and he says to you, go show yourself at the temple. You're like, yes. And on the way over there, maybe as you're walking over there, you realize your ugly leprosy, because it's a skin disease ultimately, is cleansed. And now you have skin like a baby. You're like, what? What he said was true. How would you respond to that? Would you start running to the temple? Maybe you were walking, kind of like, oh, what if he doesn't, what if nothing happens? Eh? I don't know. And then all of a sudden you're all cleansed. You take the bus, you call Uber, taxi, get me over there quicker, let's, let's get to the temple now. Well, let's, let's look at what happens here. So as they went to the temple, they were cleansed. And, and all of them, what does it say in verse 15? And one of them, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, because it was obvious, he returned, and listen to, listen to this. He returns to Jesus. He's like, what? And he's amazed, and he realizes Whatever he knew about God, when he was cleansed, his knowledge about God and his faith towards God just increased exponentially. Exponents. Reminds me of Eddie. All right. And so rather than continuing on his way to the temple, maybe on the way to the temple he was thinking like, what am I going to the temple for? I won't spoil it for you. But he was a Samaritan. Listen to this. So he, he, when he saw that he was healed, one of them only returns and with a loud voice, listen to what he does, glorified God, beloved. He glorified God. How did he do that? How do you glorify God? Or if you remember the message title, it's God glorified by gratitude. And how do we know that? Let's keep reading. With a loud voice, he glorified God and fell down in his face. 
Listen to this. I love this. It gets me emotional. Where was he when he falls at, on, his, on his face? Verse, verse 16. And he fell on his face where? What? Far off? There's Jesus over there. Now I'm cleansed. I'm going to bow down, throw myself in my face, and thank him from here? At his feet, beloved. That is so precious. His first encounter with Jesus, stay away from me, Lord. I'm a leper. Just have mercy on me. When he's cleansed, he is brought near to the feet of Jesus. Beautiful. All right. He fell down on his face at Jesus' feet. Is that proximity? He has now been brought near by the power of Jesus and giving him what? Thanks. Giving him thanks. You know, most of us have been taught, say please and thank you. Be courteous. And that's good. It's good to be grateful. But gratitude sometimes can just become something we do, right? I mean, thanks, thanks. But this guy, I would imagine, the Bible doesn't say this, but the other nine, I'm sure they were grateful. I don't think they were resentful towards God for healing them. I think they were grateful. I don't think I'm going out on a limb for saying that. But what's the difference between somebody who's grateful and somebody who gives thanks? It's the action behind it. You can be grateful in your heart. It's a state of being. But when you give thanks, you express it. You express it with words. You express it with deeds and actions. So it's not enough to be grateful. Grateful is a good thing. But you know that over 139 times the word thanks or thankful appears in the Bible. Over 39 times just in Psalms. All over the Bible from beginning to end. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His mercy endures forever. All kinds of times that same verse all over the Psalms. God wants us to be grateful and He wants us to express that gratitude with giving of thanks. And when you come Sunday morning or wherever, you could be in the shower or at home in your car and you're singing praises to God with your voice and you can do it in spirit and truth and you lift up your voice in gratitude to God, God is glorified, beloved. And what an awesome honor and privilege to do that. Here's a leper that nobody liked. Or I'm sure his family probably liked him. I shouldn't say stuff like that. But here's a leper that was cast out of society. Bummed. Most likely, just not a happy life being a leper. Distance from everybody else. Distance from God even. But when God cleanses him, he comes near. He goes, listen to this, he goes from being an isolated, rejected individual to now a person at the feet of Jesus glorifying God. The highest privilege and honor that any, anybody has is to glorify him. And this guy who was formerly a cast out Leper is now at the feet of Jesus, glorifying God. He went from way down there to being where you can't go any higher. Being at the feet of Jesus, thanking Him and glorifying Him. That's the transforming power of the gospel, beloved. That's what He does for you and me, spiritually. We go from being alienated, enemies of God, separated with no hope in the world, to now it says that we are adopted into God's family and by His grace and love and mercy and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, 
we are children of God. We go from being enemies of God to being children of God, heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And everything for God's glory. Awesome. All right. So, where were we? Verse 16. And he fell down on his face. If you've never fallen down on your and that doesn't mean like when you were skating, you fell on your face. That means you prostrate, you bow down. You get on your knees and then on your hands and you put your face to the ground in recognition of God's awesomeness. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Long story short, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. Samaritans were not pure blood Jews. All the way back from 700 years before this happened, the Assyrians take over uh, Israel. They take the northern uh, tribes captive, and then they start bringing their people, the Assyrians, into that region. They start intermixing. So the Samaritans are now hated by the, by the Jews, and they had nothing to do with the Jews. The Jews cast them off as if they were lepers all the time. And yet Luke mentions this, that the one guy that returns to give thanks is a Samaritan. Somebody that was even farther off than the other Jews. And yet he was brought near. So Jesus answered and said, uh, So Jesus answered and said, Weren't there ten cleansed? I said, whoa, 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 I see one of you. I thought I seen ten guys that I cleansed. But where are the nine, Jesus says. What happened to the rest? You know what Jesus is saying? They should be right here. He's not just wondering. He's saying they should be right here at my feet glorifying me, thanking me. What happened to the other ones? But where, but where are the nine, he says. Verse 18 were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. He says, All right, you glorified me, you gave me thanks. Just go your way. Live your life. Go ahead. Get back to society. Go back to your loved ones. And the expectation is he would go back grateful and expressing his thankfulness to everybody and telling everybody about who Jesus is and what he did for him. It's beautiful. So going back to our points in the message, I'm just going to wrap it up right here. Gratitude belongs to God, beloved. Help me out with this. What's that verse in the Bible that says that God is grateful? What's that verse that says, God is thankful? What does it say? It's a trick question. Is that good acting right here? Is that good acting? You ever notice that there's 
the Bible talks about thankfulness and gratitude all over the place, but not once will you find, as far as I know, anywhere where it says that God is thankful. Why? Somebody look at me like, my, I don't know about that question, man. It sounds a little weird. You know why you'll never find God being thankful? Because all gratitude goes to Him. He owes nothing to anyone. God has never lacked anything for which somebody can help Him. See, we're grateful because we find ourselves in a state where we need something and somebody contributes to your need. Somebody helps you. Somebody does something to put you in a better place. And so you look back and say, thank you. You know, I couldn't reach the salt, but you know, here my cousin passed it over. Thank, thank you. I couldn't do it on my own. You couldn't pay a bill. Somebody comes around and helps you. You're like, oh, thanks. Could have done it without you. God will never be in that position. He's never been and he never will. All glory, all gratitude belongs to him. You know, sometimes we're grateful for certain things. And let me recommend that you do this. Part for me is I was preparing to talk about gratitude. I started writing down a list of things that I'm grateful for. Not done yet, but I have a page full. And may I say, most of them are people. But at the top of the list, I'm grateful to God. Because ultimately, He's the one that makes everything else in my list happen. If not for Him, I wouldn't even exist. I owe him my health for which I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my wife. But if not for God, that would have never happened. I'm grateful for my children, but I don't take credit for my children. It's all God. Ultimately, all gratitude, all thanks goes to God. Isn't that weird? And so God is never going to find himself saying like, you know what, Mike, I'm really grateful for you. He's not going to say that. God's never going to say, you know, my life and my existence just wouldn't be the same without you. You bring so much to me. Even though we do glorify him, we do, you know. But God is self-sufficient. And I just thought it was awesome. I was thinking about this all week, and and I'll make sure I'm not saying anything that's heretical, but, you know, God doesn't give thanks. All thanks, all gratitude belongs to him. He is the giver of all things. Let me show you one verse in James chapter 1. Just to make this point and then we'll move on. But I just think that's awesome. And when you realize that, you'll you'll realize... uh, I was watching a video. I almost showed it to you guys. But it was just a church at the prior youth group. And they had a video. They had made up a song about gratitude. And people would show up and... They had like a little whiteboard and they would write their name and then they would erase it and then put what they're grateful for. And they're grateful for normal things. My job, my family, my church, my health, my youth group, my all this and that. But are you grateful for your church? Are you grateful to your church for your church? Are you grateful to God for your church? Right? Makes sense. I'm grateful to God for my family. I'm grateful to God for, for all of you. All glory goes to Him. James 1, verse 16, it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. 
of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. He says, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so when you're grateful, your gratitude ultimately goes all the way up to God. Because gratitude belongs to God. All right. The second point is gratitude glorifies God. And we saw that in 17.5. Right? Luke 17.15. It says, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Sometimes we don't know, well, how do I glorify God? Well, the way he did it was with his voice. And it was loud. So let me say a little sum to you that, that sing, like to sing so low. And by that I mean so low that nobody else can hear you. You know what I mean? It's like you sing, but you're like, like Mike, I sing with my heart, man. Like, oh, that's good. But, but why don't you glorify God by with your loud voice? Oh, my voice is ugly. Cares. Don't make this about you. Worship is not about you. Don't make it about you. Worship is about God. So use your loud voice. I think the band has expressed, and I've expressed it. When you hear everybody else singing, we're singing like one, it sounds like one big, massive voice. It's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. So next Sunday, I expect it to be twice as loud when we do our singing. All right? No more singing so low. Mm. With a loud voice, he falls down on his feet, and he gives him thanks, and he glorifies God. Why? He's, he's recognizing that where he's at now is due to him, to Jesus. His power, his might, his mercy, his love. Giving credit where credit is due, beloved. Gratitude glorifies God. And we've talked about that. And then he says, and then the Lord says, right, where's everybody else? Only this guy came back to glorify me? Where's everybody else? And, and lastly... Gratitude is expected by God. Remember the Lord says, where are the other nine? Shouldn't they be here too? What happened to them? And beloved, my question would be, which one of the ten are you? Which one of the ten are you? Are you, are you the one guy that comes back and realizes that you were lost? Hopeless? And you went, and your life has just been transformed radically. You went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His marvelous light, like it says in Colossians. And therefore, your life is going to be an expression of gratitude towards God. And you know that that's going to glorify Him. Or are you one of the nine? Oh, I'm glad that God saved me. Of course I'm grateful that He healed me. But I got things to do, man. I got to go show myself at the priest so that I could go back to my family because my family is important. And of course it is. I got I to gotta go to the priest so see if I can get my job back. Because I got fired, but it was only because I had leprosy. You know, I was a good worker. I was making some money. I got to go back to the priest so that he could give me a clean bill of health, take it back to the school, see if they'll let me back in. See if my girlfriend hasn't married somebody else yet. I don't know what it is. They all, I'm sure, had reasons to go back to the priest and get up out their life. 
and in so doing for God to come back and glorify Him by giving thanks. It's not enough to be grateful, beloved. You've got to show your gratitude. Show it with your voice. Show it with your actions. The flip side of that, you know, God expecting gratitude. You don't have to go very far, but if you turn your pages to your Bible to Romans chapter 1, some scary stuff right here. Romans chapter 1. See, God's wrath coming down on people that refuse to thank God. So you might think like, oh, that's a big deal, Mike. You know, I'm sure God knows I'm grateful. And I suppose in some sense, God is glorified in your heart if you're grateful. But if you don't express that gratitude, if other people don't know that you're grateful, if other people don't know what God has done in your life, then how is God glorified? From the Old Testament to the New, God says, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to give you the victory. And then he says this over and over so that the whole world may know that I am the one true God. It's always about Him. It's always been about Him. It will always be about Him. You look at Revelation over and over. People thanking Him through song. Why? Because it's all about God's glory, beloved. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. So God says, look, Paul is saying here to the church, to the church in Rome, he says, everything that you need to know about God is obvious to everybody. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God's saying, Paul's saying here, even if nobody's ever exposed you to the Bible, I got to just look around and realize, in your heart, you understand that everything that exists reveals God's glory, His character, and who He is. You just got to pay attention. You got to pay attention and do one more thing. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Well, neither did the other nine lepers. They didn't glorify God. But what's wrong with that? Verse 21 again. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were, what? Thankful. He's saying people, unbelievers, they realize God exists. They realize that they're accountable to Him, but they refuse to surrender they refuse to ask for mercy. And they refuse to acknowledge God and thank Him. And in so doing, glorify. They refuse to glorify God. What's a big deal? But became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. And keep reading, it gets even scarier. God says that He turned them over to a debased mind. And they started doing all kinds of weird things that are dishonoring to themselves. Why? But I thought God is love. He is, beloved. And He demonstrates it by sending His own Son to die on the cross for you. But what does He expect? He expects you to realize that you're a leper. He expects you to realize and agree with Him that you are lost in sin and hopeless without Him. 
And he expects you to realize that, to come to him and to say, Lord, have mercy. I can't do it on my own. All this stuff that I've been doing is hopeless. It's like trying to scratch off the leprosy off your skin. You can't. You never be able to. All you have is you humbling yourselves, realizing that who you are and what you've done up to this point is of no avail. And your only shot is coming to Him in surrender and in humility and saying, Lord, Master, Jesus, God the Savior, save me. Have mercy on me. And be grateful. Show your gratitude. The opposite of that, God says, you don't want to glorify me? You don't want to thank me? What good are you for then? If you're not going to glorify me and you're not going to thank me, what's your life going to be about? God is not impressed with our human achievements, beloved. And all of those end the minute you step into eternity. The only thing that lasts forever is God being glorified, exalted, honored through a proper relationship through Jesus Christ, His death, the resurrection. Our acknowledgement of that, our acceptance of that as our payment for our sin and our, our life lived out in gratitude toward Him. God glorified by gratitude. So it's not just about, hey, thanks, God. That's pretty cool what you did back then. It's living a life of gratitude. Because gratitude belongs to God, it glorifies God, and it is expected by God. Beloved, be, be the one guy. Be the one leper that came back and gave thanks. He had things to do. He wanted to go and get cleared and go back to his family and his life. But first things first. First, bring honor and glory to God by showing your gratitude by being thankful and letting it be known with a loud voice. Everybody around, let it be known. I belong to God and He saved me from where I was. He brought me out of that pit. He gave me a new life. I have a new hope, a new purpose in my life and I'm on my, I'm not, and I'm on my way to heaven to spend eternity with Him forever. May the Lord bless His word. May the Lord bless you guys. Let's go ahead and stand to be dismissed. Our Heavenly Father, we are once again grateful and we want to express that gratitude to you by giving you thanks for we recognize that everything that we have, Father, comes from you and only you. In recognition that all glory, all honor, and all gratitude belongs to you. You are awesome. I thank you for the mighty work, the marvelous work you've done in my life and the life of my brothers and sisters here. Saving us from condemnation, from ourselves, from our sins. And giving us a new life, a new hope, a new direction in our life is a beautiful thing. And we thank you for that. Father, we ask for forgiveness for our sins and trespasses, especially that of not expressing our gratitude towards you for all that you are and all that you've done for us. Help us to do better. Help us to live a life that honors you and glorifies you by our constant gratitude in our hearts expressed through our lives that we may be different and that others may see 
you in our lives and bring honor and glory to you as well. We thank you once again. We ask for your blessing as we dismiss, for we thank you in the precious and mighty, wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, beloved. You are dismissed. God bless you.